Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Hour number two from Radio Row, Tuesday edition is here, live in Los Angeles with you across the Outkick network. This is Outkick 360 with Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Uh, shout out to everybody with Outkick and Fox making the show happen today. Uh, the best crew and staff we could ask for as we hit the road and we've been out west. We, we of course, were not on Radio Row at this time last year. Um, so we didn't see our next guest on Radio Row last year due to COVID restrictions. But guys, doesn't it feel a bit odd that John McClain is about to join us virtually on Zoom and not on Radio Row? Because... As we well know, when the man is on Radio Row, he's in high demand. Well, if a Super Bowl happens without John McClain's presence, is it actually a Super Bowl? I had to ask myself this question as I prepared to head to Los Angeles because the man has been to virtually every Super Bowl. Yeah. And I've never not seen John McClain on Radio Row at any Super Bowl I've attended. So this is new territory for us. John McClain joins us, and he's covered the league for nearly five decades John, hope you're doing well. I am, and you never know. Maybe I'll be back there with you guys next year in Arizona uh, on Radio Row. I would love that. Would love that. Um, let, let's start with, uh, speaking of love, Lovey Smith. Uh, Houston ends up with Lovey Smith as the next Texans head coach. Will you take us through the last week or so of how they ended up just getting Lovey Smith elevated to become the next head coach and not one of the three that we were discussing last week, which, of course, included Josh McCown. They were prepared to hire Josh McCown despite local and national ridicule because he's never been a coach at any level other than high school. But they were determined to do it. And then Brian Flores, one of their finalists, filed his lawsuit against the NFL. That includes the Texans. And I think every team that was in the process of hiring a new coach backed up and reevaluated. And the Texans did. And they're looking around. Okay. And of course, Brian Flores is never going to get hired once he filed a lawsuit. He's trying to go work for an owner and he's trying to get him to open his books and expose himself financially and everything else. That ain't happening. So they look around and they, and Lovey Smith is an associate coach. So he'd been in on the process. And I kind of wondered why. They never interviewed him to begin with. Well, all of a sudden, they interviewed him on Monday morning, and then he got the job late Monday at his first news conference today. He's the first African-American to get a third chance to be a head coach in the NFL. And for what this team needs, they don't need a guy that's never coached. They need an experienced guy with a steady hand because they are still undergoing a rebuilding process and will be undergoing a rebuilding process next season as well. So, John, let me clarify here. Do you think that this was Brian Flores's job had he not filed the lawsuit? No, it was Josh McCown's job. No, McCown 
Flores and Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator with the finalists. Each of them interviewed twice. And Cowden had three interviews. They interviewed him in January. Then he went and coached high school to see his sons play uh, this past season. So, no, they were going to hire Josh McCown. They won't admit any of this, of course, but that's a fact. Now they're considering having him on the staff, which would be ridiculous because he needs to get seasoning somewhere else. He doesn't need everyday fans and media talking about the head coach in waiting, Josh McCown. Well, and, John, you've got you know Brian Flores' legal team now issuing a statement saying that they're happy for Lovey Smith, but Brian Flores is more qualified, and he would have gotten the job had he not filed a, a lawsuit. What's your reaction to that statement? Give me a break. Lovey Smith's been in a Super Bowl. You take away his first year in Chicago. His, his record in Chicago was 24 games over 500. Coach of the year. I don't see Flores coach of the year. I don't see Flores taking Miami to a Super Bowl. And then Lovey Smith went to Miami. Two and fourteen. Then he played Jameis Winston as a rookie. They improved by four games, and he got fired. And his career record is eighteen games over five hundred, including three three in the playoffs. His credentials are so much more impressive than Brian Flores. But that's Flores' attorney. So what else is he going to say? You mentioned Gannon as well, right? Uh, so so the impression here: McCown and McNown and Gannon. Uh, McCown, certainly a lot more, not experienced. Gannon, also not particularly experienced. They can't hire either of those guys for appearances' sake based on the accusation by, by Flores, not, not against them, but against the league. No, first of all, uh, Gannon was very impressive in his interview. He's been a coordinator one year. And Kevin O'Connell, one of the uh, coaches they interviewed, a coordinator one year. And, of course, Mil- I mean uh, – uh, Brian Flores was never a coordinator when the Dolphins hired him. He coached linebackers and called plays for the Patriots. So they couldn't have got anybody more experienced. The weird thing is they didn't interview him till Monday, even though he was part of the process, giving his opinion in the interviews about these other coaches. And then all of a sudden, hmm, well, let's see, let's shift here. Let's pivot from McCown to no experience to Lovey Smith, who's 63 has 38 years of coaching experience, including 20 in the NFL. And one thing they can never be accused of is age discrimination. They've gone from 72-year-old Romeo Cornell to 65-year-old David Culley to 63-year-old Lovey Smith. But it shows they're getting younger every time they change coaches. John McClain with us uh, with the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com, and more. Uh, we're going to get to some new head coaches in just a moment. Uh, I know the Titans have just extended the contracts of Mike Vrabel and John Robinson. Um, and, John, they've also confirmed that Tim Kelly is the passing game coordinator for uh, the foreseeable future. He's, he's joining uh, this offensive staff. What can you tell us about the former Texans offensive coordinator? And they are another former Texans coach. Vrabel's got so many I can't keep up with them. Tim Kelly, two years ago, everybody talked about, man, what a great job Tim Kelly's doing. Man, he's doing a great job on play calling. This offense is tremendous. The passing game was one of the three best in the NFL. Well, he had Deshaun Watson playing great. And it wasn't his fault that Deshaun Watson wanted to be traded. Watson said in his last news conference after that season, he wanted Tim Kelly back as the coordinator. They kept him. All of a sudden, he's coaching 
a rookie, Davis Mills, having to play way before they wanted him to play because of the injury of Tyrod Taylor. So playing a rookie, Davis Mills, who made a lot of progress over the last five games, everybody says, Tim Kelly can't coach. He's terrible. Fire him. So they did. I thought it was a tremendous move by Mike Brable to get Tim Kelly up there. He'd been here eight years, worked his way up the hard way. Very smart guy, very shrewd, and hopefully he can help Ryan Tannehill not throw so many interceptions. Well, John, I thought that Tom Brady was definitely retired, and then he spoke last night, and he gave the line, never say never, which people say that. I understand that one, but he took it a step further and went on to say, I don't know how I'm going to be feeling six months from now. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm taking it day by day, which leads me to believe maybe we haven't seen the last of Tom Brady. What do you think? Chad like that reminds me of Brett Favre. Every year he was ready to retire. Then he spent about three months rehabbing, being with his family. Then he got the itch to play, and he kept playing. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Brady talked about his family. You know, his wife, Giselle, she knows how much he loves it. I don't know if they want him moping around the house all the time. Problem is, he's got to make up his mind because if he's not coming back, they got to get another quarterback. It'd be grossly unfair if he has not made up his mind by March 16th when the new league year begins, if not then for free agency, certainly when the draft begins on April 28th. He can't drag this out and then them go look for another veteran quarterback. John, the Shanahan and McVay tree continues uh, in these hiring practices across the league. Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, he'll be calling plays or be a part of the coaching staff, excuse me, this, this Sunday for the Rams. Uh, and meanwhile, Mike McDaniel, who heads up the, the run game in San Francisco for Kyle Shanahan, he's now in Miami, and McDaniel has followed Shanahan everywhere he's been throughout his, his coaching history. Your thoughts on Miami's decision to go with Mike McDaniel as the new head coach of the Dolphins? Well, I call it the Gary Kubiak coaching tree because Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, Robert Sala, they were all on Kubiak's staff here in Houston. And, and McDaniel is really good friends with Shanahan. They go way back. You know, he's minority. So that counts for the Dolphins. The Dolphins and Texans, only two of the nine teams, the higher minorities as head coach. McDaniel's very studious. He kind of looks like a professor, but he's learned a lot from Kyle. Kyle's much more emotional than he is. And so if you're going to hire somebody, if you get them from the Shanahan or the McVay coaching tree, they seem to work out now. Both those guys are hotter than ever. A year ago, Kyle Shanahan, they're starting to point out, well, he's only had one winning season. Now he's so hot he can't sit down. And then Sean McVay, of course, at one point, when he went to the Super Bowl two years ago, people are saying, well, if you shook hands with Sean McVay, or you waved at him at an airport, that's good enough for you to be head coach in the NFL. Everybody made fun of Zach Taylor. He was on that staff for the first two years McVay was there. Now he's in the Super Bowl trying to beat his mentor. What ended things for, for Doug Peterson in Philadelphia seemed to be the micromanagement of Howie Roseman and, and Jeffrey Lurie. Uh, if I remember correctly, they had Tuesday meetings where they analyzed his every move and uh, second-guessed him to death. I don't know that that's Trent Baalke's operation, but certainly uh, he's a difficult guy to deal with. How much of an obstacle to success do you think he'll be for Super Bowl winning Peterson as he tries 
to be the next guy to get the Jaguars on track. Paul, as you know, when a guy wants to be a head coach, especially when he's out of football, especially when he was fired, he'll say anything. Sure, Trent Baalke, I'd love to work with Trent. And maybe he does. Maybe he knows him. You know, most coaches seem to have an aversion to working with Baalke. I don't know why. He was with with, uh, Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco, and at the end, everybody had to walk on eggshells around him because Harbaugh was always in such a bad mood. So I don't know. He sold himself to Shad Khan. Now Doug Peterson's got that job having Trevor Lawrence. Very attractive for a new coach. So hopefully he won't have that kind of micromanagement. I don't think Shad Khan does that. But I've never heard of, of, of an owner and a general manager going over coaching decisions with a coach on Tuesday when he's supposed to be working on the next game plan. John, who are you picking to win Super Bowl 56 this Sunday? Guys, I'm picking the Rams. They're playing at home. They're very hot. You know, they've got a great pass rush. We saw what happened last year when the Chiefs could not protect Patrick Mahomes from the Buccaneers' pass rush, and the Rams' pass rush is even better. I look for Matthew Stafford to be the MVP, him or Aaron Donald. Can't wait to see the game. Bengals are young. They'll have a chance to come back as long as Joe Burrow is healthy. Everyone counting the Bengals out. I, I, this is pro- forcing me the other way. It's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's exactly what they want. Yep. That's exactly what's just what you heard wants. before Kansas yeah. City. So far, John, it is 100% picks for the Rams with every analyst that we've asked here in town. It wouldn't bother me at all if the Bengals win for Zach Taylor. I met him when his future father-in-law, Mike Sherman, was offensive line coach, assistant uh, head coach here under Gary Kubiak. And uh, I, I used to know his wife, Sarah. They're a great family. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the Bengals win their first Super Bowl. I covered the two losses. It was a heartbreaker after the 88 season. Joe Montana and John Taylor. So if they pull it out, think about this. Joe Burrow won a state championship in Ohio. He won a national championship at LSU. And in his second season, he could win a Super Bowl. What a winner. All in the span of, what, seven or eight years, he would win those titles. It's pretty impressive. Which is just crazy to think about. John, always appreciate you. Thank you for the insight and the perspective today. And uh, we'll check in with you. We'll be recapping this game with you next week. Miss you. Wish you were here. Guys, guys, thank you very much. I wish I were there, too, and maybe next year. Absolutely. Follow him on Twitter, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John McLean has been our guest. Coming up, Andrew Perloff, now with CBS Sports Radio and doing some some things with Odyssey with a new show, formerly of the Dan Patrick Show. Our friend of this show, He's Andrew a buddy. Perloff, He's McLovin. A buddy. He joins us next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 from Super Bowl 56 Radio Row with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Pleased to be joined by Andrew Perloff. You may know him as McLovin from the Dan Patrick Show. And that's 
what I said whenever I saw him walking Radio Row a couple of days ago, and then I realized, no, it's it's now Maggie and Perloff. Yep, I'm going back to my native name, Andrew Perloff. Uh, yeah, so you, if you yell out McLovin, I'm just going to keep on walking. Well, I wanted to roll this yeah. back and offer my condolences for the big fight you had with Dan and the Danettes yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the falling out. And I'll tell you how happy I was that Maggie t- took you in after, after things fell apart for yeah. you. How are you holding up? Well, it was good. I mean, like, the Dan Patrick show, you know, there's only, like, you know, there's one superstar. There was two egos in that room, and me and Dan. Yeah, I'm like, Dan. room wasn't big enough for both of you. You're yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. I mean, after you know, 20 years, I'm like, Dan, what have you ever done in this business? You know, like, I'm Andrew Perloff. I'm McLovin. You know, and no, Dan and I had an amazing like transition. Like he was so happy for me, which I was actually. I told the story on the show. I was so scared to go in there because I'd been there 12 years, and I was like. Dan, I'm leaving. And I was on the brink of tears, and uh, he was so nice about it. I was really relieved because I thought he – I don't know what I thought, but I thought, you know, he might say, uh, oh, I'm going to – I have no idea. I thought it might be like the – You're dolph- dead in this business. Yeah, yeah. I thought, it might be, I thought it might be like the Dolphins of Brian Flores where they're going to – he could have trashed me on the way out or something. I have no idea. Are the other Danettes now lining up to try to get the hell out? No, no, no. <laughs> you know what? One of the big issues was I live very far away. Paul, you know, I'm in Brooklyn and Dan's in Milford, Connecticut. So that was that was part of it. Uh, it was it was a lot of things. You know, it wasn't just that. Also, too, I wanted a new opportunity. Been there 12 years. But Dan was awesome about it. It's been very helpful. So uh, it's it's we're parallel a bit here because we left after the three of us left uh, after a decade doing the same show. Yeah. And that was the appeal for what you and the Danettes and, and DP, what, what you guys did was you were together from the start to whenever we left mm-hmm. because you were also on the zone in Nashville at the time. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I wonder the, the emotions, the feelings that you felt whenever you left and you made the decision, you know, now's the time because we did that a year ago. Yeah, no, it, it was hard uh, because you get comfortable with where you are. You know, and I'll, I'll be totally honest, like sometimes I miss aspects of the Dan Patrick show too because those are my good friends like and yesterday they had Will Ferrell on and he painted his face like a bangle I'm like oh my god like I love that because Dan to one credit like he can get certain he has certain relationships that other people don't have for example he got me in an Adam Sandler movie that's coming out in May uh, called Hustle and like Dan got me a speaking role this time Whoa. so like um, you know the Maggie and Perloff show is going to be awesome we're having a blast but I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to be Adam Sandler's best friend. Not that I was. So there are certain things that I miss. And also the guys. Like, those are, yeah. you guys know those guys. I mean, Paul and Seton and Todd and Dan are all awesome dudes. So it's a little weird, like, not to be able to, like, chat with them every morning. We would do an hour show. I don't know if you guys do this still. But we would do an hour show before the three-hour show where we would just sit in, on the couch and argue about everything. And then uh, we'd use all our good material. And Dan, <laughs> Dan would always yell, just stop, stop doing the debate right now. Let's do it on the radio. But we couldn't help it. So I miss the guys is the most thing. But I love the new uh, people at CBS Sports are amazing. Maggie's awesome. I've known her forever. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Maggie Gray. She was at Sports Illustrated with me for a long time. Then she was at WFAN, and she's super cool. So that's been a lot of fun. Not that you were tanking it on the Dan Patrick show, but is there a renewed energy? You know, we went and did a new thing, and there was a, a little burst of energy when you yeah. started something new. Are you feeling that now with the new show? Yeah. You know, it's funny, too. It's also, like, a lot harder to transit. Well, I don't know, but you, you guys still kind of have the same format, though. 
which for me, it's Largely. a lot different. Because you know, I went the, from, the hardest part is telling yeah. people, you know, where we are now. Yeah. Where people are like, hey, where'd you go? What, yeah. you know, what happened? Mm-hmm. It's the transition of everyone knowing, okay, this is what I'm doing now. That's been the most difficult part. Everybody knew where you guys were going, though. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, because it, the world is driven by social media. So yeah. it's like you find people that way. I honestly, I don't know if you thought you had a problem with that, but everybody talked about oh, it. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, but, you know, I, I was reading Barrett Sports Media's rankings today, and the first thing they said was, your show wasn't eligible because I it know. hasn't been on long enough. And I'm thinking, oh, there's a nice plug, though, for your new show. I know, That's great. Yeah. I know, I know. But it funny. goes to your point about social media. You see something, a story, and boom, you know well, about it. You know, it's interesting. You think about Fallon and uh, Stephen Colbert and those shows. Like, nobody stays up. Nobody my age stays up till 1130 to watch them, but they live the next day socially. Like, uh, so we know those shows are relevant because we see the clips. So it's almost like a social world. You know, uh, like you look around Radio Row, like if you don't adapt to that, like you're not going to really be as successful. You know, I know I live around the corner from a guy, uh, Big Cat on part of my take. Yeah. Yeah. And like. I think they had an incredible Fancy model. neighborhood. Yeah, where they, I know. Well, I'm surprised he hasn't moved up in class, but <laughs> they really, like, they were one of the first ones who just really, a new media star in, in a way. You know, so I think we've all been trying to catch up to that. And, like, when you guys went to Outkick, like, everybody knew. Just so you know, like, there was, it was not hard to find you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. What do you think about the proposal to replace Dartmouth in the Ivy League with SUNY Binghamton? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Your thoughts? I don't even know. Is is. Columbia still in the I, I love that you pretend this where Columbia is yeah. like, uh, if not number one, number two, like not, not in the number, Ivies, in the, in the world. And what? And, and being and losing, a university. And losing football uh, games? This, yeah, is a, not a sport this is a sports show, though, so who has the better athletic department? Oh, well, that you have. Well, to they do. Hard. There's no reason to go to Dartmouth except to play ball. There's nothing there. It's in the middle of a forest. So I, I, am I like the woods. <laughs> I am friends. You like the city too. I've seen yeah. you loose in New York. Yeah, that's true. I had a Columbia football experience that blew me away. I went to the Dartmouth game a couple years ago, and I know the AD of Columbia, who doesn't like you very much, by the way. It's a long story. I won't get into that. <laughs> yeah. It's a long list, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, and I sat there with Marcellus Wiley and Robert Kraft in a box nice. watching a Columbia Why game. Why did they let you in? And like, I'm like, I didn't know that there were celebrity uh, Columbia Yeah, go ahead. Fans. Name the Dartmouth guys that are comparable to Marcellus uh, Wiley and Robert Kraft. I don't know. You Dr. Heard, Seuss? You ever heard of Jay Fiedler? You ever heard of Robert <laughs> Frost? Dr. Robert Frost? You know, a fork in the road and one well, way. Let's go a little Andrew, more modern. Andrew let's Burlow. go a little more modern. Andrew Perlow. Uh, let's see. Dartmouth. Uh, most of, you know, the, remember that uh, financial collapse in 2007? That was all Dartmouth then. <laughs> 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 that was us. What a great ad for your university. Yeah, remember yeah. that financial collapse of 07 that was us come here and learn uh, come here learn how to build something and take people down <laughs> yeah uh, so uh let's talk some football yeah uh, aaron Rodgers and real estate aaron Rodgers is uh, building a house in nashville yeah uh, and so, so it's a done deal of course the, the rumors start speculating no one thinks it's a done deal uh but he clearly was not happy in green bay going into last year if you're john robinson the titans are you exploring this option for a trade for aaron Rodgers? but do you guys mind if i give you the national perspective yes yeah, please do Anything to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Don't, and I don't want to hear a salary cap. I don't even want to hear about it. I understand this is an issue. We spent three straight days talking about how Franklin sounds like a beautiful place to live. I'm sure it is. And Aaron Rodgers got to go to the Titans. Franklin it's, isn't even the right city. It's, oh, is it? It's Brentwood. It's actually Brentwood, oh, which, is which is where just I live. north of Franklin. Oh, okay. Well, another fancy neighborhood. We'll be neighbors like you and Big Cat. <laughs> the perspective is yeah, what a weird uh, drop that was. I hope he doesn't hear that. So the. Uh, 
the this natural perspective is, oh my God, this has got to happen because I don't think anyone really wants to put the energy into looking at all the salary cap numbers. It's like it's a great team. All they need is a quarterback. That is a perception. Like, oh, well, that's accurate. Yeah, I mean, and if the you know if they can do something to get Aaron Rodgers, what is the stop? Like, I don't understand like why they're supporting Ryan Tannehill publicly. Like when the Rams moved on from Goff to Stafford, they totally. They were pretty mean about it, you know. <laughs> why is why are the Titans? Do you guys tell me why are they supporting him publicly? At least leave well, the door because open. Because they got Rogers. so much money it's sunk the money. into him, they're not going to be able to get out unless yeah. somebody does him a monstrous favor uh, in, in a deal. Yeah. Um, and you know, three years ago, he did look like it, it was entirely reasonable after his 2019 mm. season to yeah. think this is the guy. What he's done since then, particularly in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nashville is universally, we've talked about this a lot on, on this show, Nashville now is universally from the most crazy fan to the to the harshest media critic, United, in that Ryan Tannehill can't take this team on a Super right. Bowl run. Right. You could get them to great position in the playoffs, but uh, partially because of the division. But come the playoffs in a tight fourth quarter game, he's not going to make the throws they need to win. I feel like Titans fans for so long just they they bowed up and got defensive of Tannehill because the national perspective was it's Miami Tannehill. He's going to revert to that at some point. And then back-to-back playoff performances where he sunk the Titans – they just threw their hands up and said, hey, national media was right. Yeah. This guy can't win it all. He's never going to win big. Go explore your options. He might right. win you one or two. He's not going to take you on a streak of four to, the, to a Super Bowl championship. But is it an insult to be moved aside for Aaron Rodgers? It's Aaron Rodgers. No. He's like the third, like second most talented or first most talented quarterback yep. of all time. So I don't even feel like you have to rip Ryan Tannehill. If you can get Aaron Rodgers in the building, you know, who's still at the top of his game, I, I see I would move heaven and earth. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys know? Is there any way they can get around well, this? I mean, cap so the, to me, the yeah, I don't the hope is. of yeah. it is, if the Rams pulled off what they did mm-hmm. for Stafford and Goff, clearly a lesser quarterback, it can happen. It's not likely, and I don't know if the Packers would do it, but it's been done. It yeah. can be done again, if someone's willing to. Well, someone being the Packers yeah. to make that move. I don't think the Packers, if they make a move, Rodgers. I don't think they're going to want Tannehill. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they do they have to they have to give, give Jordan Love a shot at least, right? Yeah, or get something better you have to. Yeah. In, I mean, in, in return. That's yeah. why you drafted him, right? I think they were planning for this, just not the way it's all turned out. I don't I don't think they thought they they were going to have back to back MVP seasons no. for the guy. And their glimpses of Love, unfortunately for them, haven't been very good. Right. There's uh we've had a few. Uh, NFL guests on, and everyone's predicting Denver. They like we're making every we're actually doing a thing where everyone has to make a prediction that comes on where Aaron Rodgers is going to go, and it's either Packers or Denver. No one is uh, because of the money. I think no one's picking the Titans. Well, and there's there's talk that that Rodgers and Devontae Adams are yeah. going to be a pair, right? Wherever they end up, which yeah. I mean, consider that for some of the teams that'll be in that market. I don't think Carolina is well suited to to win right away, yeah. but I think nobody will want him more than David Tepper. Absolutely. But I think, don't you think Jimmy G would make sense there? I think they would give a sec- high second round pick for Jimmy G. I think they have. I mean, if you, could, if you could guarantee some sort of health yeah. with, with him, I think he'd be a great option for a lot of teams. I think he'd probably be a good option in, in Pittsburgh, which wouldn't have to give up that much. Right. Well, but, I, I but, mean, Carolina will go after Rodgers, but I assume yeah. Rodgers is not going to want to go there because there's too much of a rebuild. So I'm saying, like, well, we're not getting Rodgers, so that's the next step down. Yeah, but I think Tepper uh, yeah. is going to get sick of getting. You know, he, working the middling quarterbacks yeah. and climbing that ladder of middling guys. At some point, he's going to do something huge. Maybe it'll be Deshaun Watson if that gets cleared up and 
Uh, yeah, I, I, but the Watson's got too much control. All these guys have a lot of control over where they go. Yeah, I don't see Watson getting cleared. Uh, unless you guys, I mean, I don't know anything specific about it, but it feels like criminal stuff's coming down. You know, it sounded it's like timing. it was two or three settlements yeah. away from going to Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Is there some NFL envy in New York, being a New Yorker right now for Los Angeles, when you see their two teams versus what's going on well, with I, the Giants and the Jets? I'm a Philadelphia Eagle. I'm from yeah. Philly, so give us the. I, we're asking for the New York yeah, perspective. I you love, were so kind to give us the national perspective. Yeah. yeah. Now please give us the New York perspective. The New York, yeah, screw we'll Philly. ask for the Philly perspective. I'll be honest. Later. Like New York, they talk about the Yankees and Mets offseason on the radio. They talk about the Knicks. They just don't focus on the pro teams. You know, there are a lot of the Big Giants, college time. They've they've given up. I mean, in a way, <laughs> they've given up on being great. Look at and for good reason. The Jets and Giants have been terrible lately. No, there's not a lot of. There are not a lot of local calls about what the Giants and Jets need to do. They needed to fire Joe Judge. And the Jets, like, they love, they like Robert Solomon, they like Joe Douglas, but I don't think they have any hope. So I don't think there's jealousy. It's almost like they've moved on to their other sports. Is there any hope in Houston right now with the Texans oh. and what's going on? I was shocked about what It's weird Smith. when you can't even figure Smith out what guy. they're trying to do, right? <laughs> Usually yeah. you, you may disagree with something, but yeah. you can look at a situation and say, I get what the attempt is here. Yeah. I don't know what they're trying to do in Houston. Does he right keep now. the beard as a head coach? Oh, do you have it. to change it? Must. Well, you know, I'm like the world's father wisdom, the world's biggest Illinois football fan. Always have How'd been. That Going back to Jeff George, and uh, I can't really name another player <laughs> from there. But I do not understand this hire because if you watch Lovey Smith's Illinois, it was like that was coaching. Like he was Her- off on an island horrific. in the middle of nowhere. This is very surprising. You know, I did see Brian Flores' comments that he thought he had the job. Then the lawsuit came out. That kind of makes sense. You know, they hired the funny thing too. They fired Cully a couple days after everybody else did. I think they it's speculative, but maybe they were going to hire Brian Flores, and then they got word from the Dolphins that something was coming. Or I have no idea. But it doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like they knew what they were doing at the last day of the season to now. So, I thought that they were automatically firing Cully to hire one of Casario's New England buddies, and it was either going to be. Uh, well, it, yeah. Flores came into it a, a touch late. I thought it was going to be McDaniels or um, Mayo. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mayo would have been. That would have been fun. Somebody young and somebody with a little life. But now, yeah. you know, nothing against Lovey Smith. But he doesn't exactly scream like, uh, he's, you know, scream, oh, I'm excited to watch this guy, Coach. So, I, I mean, no, they, they yeah. wanted McCown. Yeah. And then yeah. No, one else, no one else would jump on board with it uh, and, and interview him as a head coaching candidate. But I think that what would have worked is because Flores, to me, was the best option of who they were interviewing. Just, you know, the 30,000-foot view of it. Um, I would try to get Flores to be your head coach and run the defense and then hire McCown to run your offense because that's what they're mm-hmm. – they love that guy. I just don't think he's head coach. And he may like, still be the offensive coordinator. I've, I read something that, that he could be Lovey's offensive coordinator. I'm kind yeah. of a Josh McCown fan. I, I don't know. I know. I read you like his high school performances as no, coach? I just like – I like just watch him on the side. I'm a big backup quarterback fan. You know, like uh, – You like guys that look like so Yvonne, perfect Yvonne, for you. Yeah, yeah. You I like guys that look like Yvonne Drago? That's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I think By about way, when he, I see McCown he's every sne- time. sneaky tall, right? He's oh, like yeah. a gigantic – I'm a big – like, you know, I'm very good friends with Case Keenan. We've talked about this. Uh, Andy Dalton. Like, there's a certain level of Are you a Logan Woodside guy? You should write a book on backup quarterbacks. I really – I yeah. I, I get inside the mind of the backup quarterback yeah, and the bank they, account. They all become just NFL head coaches. You know, <laughs> like how many, but I actually went through it. It's I like think, catchers for baseball managers. 
I actually said the other day that all backup quarterbacks become coaches, but I think there are only eight or nine backup quarterbacks now who are coaches. And it's less than I thought. Well, but, you really ought to graph this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not on social. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm really doing deep dives here. I'm doing the analytic work that you guys are just too lazy to do, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. True. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, we come from a market with Logan Woodside, so. I do like Logan Woodside. I, I, uh, <laughs> you're, the, you're the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, is he, but I always get him confused with a guy who's on Hard Knocks, who is, uh, there's another backup quarterback who has a name similar name was he on hard knocks no no i would have forget this guy's name <laughs> he was in cleveland behind johnny manzel and he became a star on hard knocks can i can i look it up on my phone right now was it well is he talking about tanny no alex no. Tanny. Uh, i don't know who it would be this is defi- this is this is the content we came for yeah. Furloff. um he was definitely <laughs> from the mac and uh he, he was on hard knocks and he had great he was like the fourth quarterback on the team come on you guys he was him. from toledo I yeah yeah like. yeah what's his name and it's like, That's the oh, hold on. <laughs> He's like, uh, he is basically. Looking for it first. Do you guys ever listen to Mike Frantessa? Whenever he was looking for a stat, he'd go, Eddie, get the book. And then he'd go silent for a minute. Eddie, get the book. And that'd be. Waiting for Eddie to get the book. <laughs> does like, he think there's know. an actual book, or is he familiar with the internet? We'll look this up during the break. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Perlow. No, we got to find this right now. Andrew no, I'm Perlow. staying on. He's control. He seized control of our clock. Oh yeah. no! What is? I don't. Who is waiting for? This is the most important thing. Do you have it yet? Yeah, you're right. He went to Toledo. We'll insert it. We'll later. find it. We'll find it. Andrew Perloff, uh, are you still going by McLovin or no? Broken Roback. Oh, yes. Broken Dylan Roback. comes through. Yes, who is the Logan Woodside? He's like they're like they're, they're interchangeable. Perloff, let us leave. We will <laughs> we will continue to call him McLovin on this show. You know how clocks work, right? right? Dude. You're in radio. Perloff. I don't have a okay. clock. He's been our guest. <laughs> Stay with us. More coming from Radio Row at Super Bowl Fifty Six across the Outkick Network. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. From Los Angeles, Outkick360 and Outkick.com with Fox been a fun uh, early portion of the week so far just getting started here all week leading up to Super Bowl 56 and FanDuel's got a great offer for you FanDuel.com slash OK360 your chance an unbelievable opportunity to turn five dollars into 280 dollars 56 to 1 odds at FanDuel Sportsbook if you're a first-time user you can log on to FanDuel.com slash OK360 First-time users, you bet up to $5 on e- either the, the Rams or the Bengals to win Super Bowl 56. And FanDuel will boost your odds to an incredible 56-1, to 1, valid for new users only. It's a money line bet, so you're just picking a winner. You're not betting against the spread. FanDuel.com slash OK360. We'd be remiss if we didn't give a big thank you to Tony in L.A., uh, who yeah. has been a long-time friend of ours, friend of the show, um, and has stuck with us. And we had a chance to, to meet up with him last night. I met Tony for the first time uh, doing Titan sideline reporting on the road in Arizona. This was the trip where uh, they, the, the Titans were staying and then going to play the 49ers. This was the end of Mike Malarkey. Yes, and exactly. And they, they stayed out in Arizona. And I met uh, Tony, who came down to like the first row, 
and said hello. He was either at halftime or right after the game. And since then, he's kept in touch, and, and he travels a lot to Nashville for some of the home games. Uh, he'll pick one or two road games a year, uh, but, but lives out here and took us to dinner last night. It was tremendous, and uh, we always love the day one season ticket holders for, for OutKick 360 slash midday 180. And Tony is at the front of the line. showed us around SoFi, which I'd been to uh, a game at, but I had no idea the forum was right there, that the Clippers were building an arena right there. So he gave us a real sense of the lay of the land, which was It was awesome. Great. And he treated us to dinner last night, yeah. too, which uh, we're, very we're very thankful, very generous of him. And we got the full Tony in L.A. tour uh, through where he grew up, right by SoFi Stadium. Uh, and that the new Clippers, I didn't even know it was being built, but the new Clippers either. venue looks incredible. Uh, with the plans for that, I went back and, and, and looked at the, the models of what they're going to make with that new Clippers venue, and it's, it's terrific. I said, but a huge shout-out to Tony. Who, uh, there's so many venues here. I said, who's funding this? He said, well, ownership. So I said, Steve no, Ballmer yeah, is, is no, doing the whole thing. <laughs> no beef with it when the owner's yeah, funding the whole, the whole project. Thing. That's the way it should work. Eric Weddle is riding the tidal wave <laughs> right now. Uh, he had re- been retired for nearly two years, and – Signs on with the Rams because they were in desperate need of help at safety um, towards the end of the year. He signed on January 12th with the Los Angeles Rams. Again, nearly uh, out of football for nearly two years. And Weddle helps out with uh, a secondary that has been really banged up. Tyler Rapp uh, was out with a concussion for a couple of weeks. They've had um, Jordan Fuller out with an ankle injury. Anyway, he comes in and barely plays in that first matchup of the postseason. But as you start to look, he played in 19 of 56 defensive snaps against the Arizona Cardinals. But Weddle, he played in all 51 snaps two weeks ago in the NFC Championship game in that three-point victory over the 49ers. And he's been in the league now 15 years um, and, well, excuse me, 13 years, 15 years total, if you count now him getting signed um, nearly two years into retirement, and he's going to play in the, in the Super Bowl for the first time. It's a, a terrific story. And, I mean, and the way he's declared, like, I, I'm playing this game and going back to my regular life, which is far removed from my playing career. It's, it was, uh, it's, you know, it's a movie. Well, and it's also um, it's a little strange, a little weird how it all worked out. He, he would keep in touch with players on the Rams roster. Of course, he's a longtime Charger. Um, he would keep in touch with players on the Rams roster, and he watched all the Rams games and broke down the film this year. What but prompted that? He was, I, I, again, like I, I think there may have been one or maybe two teams he would consider playing for based on where he was living. He was playing full-court basketball to stay in shape, apparently like an extremely competitive league. And that was it. And then gets signed January 12th, and now he's playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not surprised that a guy like that could do that, but I think he's like a top-shelf kind of guy. And he's always been a terrifically smart player, uh, you know. And I don't know that, you know, how well does he run? I don't, I don't know if they, they play in a way that you could cover for him not being able to run great anymore. It's a great endorsement for rec league basketball. Yeah. That you can stay in good enough shape doing that to go play in the NFL and, and be productive. Absolutely. League. And also, uh, what a lifeline. I mean, to have a chance to go win a Super Bowl, 
uh, at this point in his career, two years removed from, from playing, thinking you're retired. Yeah. It's really it's, it's an unbelievable story. And now, you know, gets the chance to win the, win the title for the first time. And he, he, he ju- played for good teams, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He played for Chargers teams that were Ravens. good, and he played for Ravens teams that were good. Yeah. And then it, so he, in his initial press conference, whenever they had him back, he was on virtual or whatever, he, he told one of the reporters, a reporter was asking him, like, why, why do you think you can still play? You've been out of the league two years. Like, how desperate are the Rams? And he, he admitted, he goes, that is a very fair question. And then he barely played against the Cardinals. But, again, two weeks ago, every snap against the 49ers. Now, a different aerial attack this week if he's in there. And we'll find out more about the injury report for the Rams later I, this week. I would have said to that question of what he said, but then I would have also said, I refer your question to Sean McVay and Les Snead. He kind of just said, yeah. like, well, they, we'll they find put a out. contract in front of me. We'll find out. Um, and more power to him. I, I, I think it's a really cool story, and that will be – that will be among the eight hours of pregame coverage oh, yeah. for NBC Super They'll Bowl do coverage a touching, for sure. A touching portrait of, yes. uh, of him. And here's a big, uh, uh, maybe one of the top stories is Odell Beckham Jr., um, a free agent with Cleveland. Um, they release him. He is able to go and sign. He doesn't have to go on waivers based on where he is in the league, so he gets to cherry pick his team, and he chooses the Rams over the Packers. And at the time... He also talked about the Saints. At the I, time, I saw something with him this week where he said the Saints were in play. It was... Uh, I think most people would lean towards, oh, you could, you're teaming up with Aaron Rodgers for sure. Yep. You know, you team up with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and off you go. And he made the, the perfect decision. He's, so who he's knows? Maybe, maybe he would have helped. I, I, I don't know that he would have played special teams that day and helped the, the Packers on that front. But the Packers didn't, didn't score... Uh, the way they should have well, after the was, first drive, right? He might have helped the Packers. This is get when the, there too. the biggest surprise: the Rams were struggling at that point. I mean, it, it, not just Aaron Rodgers; it was the Packers were much better, much more well positioned in their season in November when Odell Beckham Jr. decided to go to the Rams. So that was also a surprising part of it. But here he is now playing for a Super Bowl, and he was he also. I mean, he didn't land there and explode like everybody wanted, right? It was a gradual thing. Uh, and the Rams had some struggles at, yep. at that stage of their season. He's another one of those guys that's a testament that should remind all of us, and I think we pride ourselves on not overreacting, though it's the nature of the business to have an immediate reaction. But for fans out there who are, you know, uh, uh, always overreacting, um, he, he's kind of a model. Like, if you're bringing in a guy like that, that's really a more realistic expectation of how it can happen and what they're looking for. Um, and and they've, got, they've gotten the best out of it. Now he's got a chance to, to be a, a, a big contributor there. Also, I think it says a lot about his second act, or his third act, really, yeah. because he, he looked like a malcontent in Cleveland. His dad's chirping, all that stuff comes. Then he comes to a team where he's not the singular savior. Cooper Cup is the guy. He needs to be a supplementary part and seems satisfied with it. It's, it's been a good supplementary role. Look, we talk again again every day. We hit on the, the weaponry and the, and the firepower and the playmakers. There's room for more than one. Once upon a time, you could have, you know, one dominant receiver. But it's, that's no more. You need more than one, and he's certainly testament to that now. It, it's a great story right now, and it is. It's an example of what, even when you think someone's done from an attitude standpoint and they can't get along with anyone, and they're not going to be a productive teammate again. That they can be, 
and this is an example of that happening. A lot of them are. He's also one father tweet rant away from being back, uh, being back in that same category. You're absolutely right. He, he could his dad could go after Matthew Stafford like he went after, after Eli Manning, and like he went after Baker Mayfield. Also, uh, if he's not getting enough touches, I don't think that's going to happen. But that's also that's kind of the that's the game you play when you bring on Odell Beckham Jr. and it's worked. And it, it's it's good evidence for teams. Hey, maybe he he's not done. Maybe he will if he gets in the right spot. We'll get along with his teammates better. We'll be a better teammate. And we've seen that with, with Beckham Jr. Uh, it's interesting what you say. His production's not quite. It's not. It's not completely parallel. But right now, it's it's kind of the Antonio Brown story, right? If they, if they win, he came in. He helped. Next year, I don't know what his contract status is. I think they would have to re-sign him the way that the Bucks yep. had to re-sign Antonio yep. Brown, and you would expect it to continue. But, Chad, like you say, it could go the other direction. Who knows? You know, he could but none be of that matters opposite. if they win the Super right. Bowl. He could if be he the helps opposite. them win a Super Bowl, who cares? Much like Antonio Brown. Well, though, though we cared this year about Antonio Brown's behavior, and the Bucks cared, and it was their we undoing cared. when they might have repeated. It but, was part of their undoing. But ask the Bucks if it was worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. Yeah, it it was worth it for sure. But when they had a path to maybe go do it again, it screwed them. So it was worth it that they got the one, but also hurt them when they maybe could have gone and got the two. Well, they are rolling right now with Beckham because he had his first 100-yard game since 2019, October 13th, 2019. That came in the NFC Championship game. He had his first game with nine or more catches for the first time since 2018. Here's a question for you. You get to watch one guy. I saw camera on this warm-up. Who's, the, who's your guy? Mine might be Odell Beckham because I know he's going to make a bunch of crazy one-handers. I'll go with your answer. <laughs> Good answer. Coming up, headlines of the day, including Kyler Murray. And is he about to join the circus that is the quarterback movement this offseason? We'll lead there from Super Bowl 56 Radio Row across the Outkick Network at Outkick 360.